Okay, so let's move seamlessly now. Sorry to interrupt your ceremony. It's nothing personal. I just want to devour your god. This is like some gravity treatment. M-O-L-M-M. That feels apocryphal, but I'll take it. No, that's true. Don't look it up. Don't look it up. I mean, that is made for undiscerning days. I'll just auto-tune that, put a little guitar solo at the end. Perfect. All right. Six hours later. Y'all done got digly pain. You done got digly pain. No. Welcome to Men of Low Moral Fiber, the show that dives deep into the minds of listeners, digs around until we find their deepest, darkest secrets, and then use them as blackmail to make sure we keep up those downloads and five star reviews on Apple Podcasts. By the way, it's not iTunes anymore. And it's not oh. five star review on on your iPod. Oh wow! It's, I don't even. It still works. People can still download it, but it's called Apple Podcasts. Is the so name just, of the app. I hit the middle button five times on my shuffle, right? Yep, that's the one. That's what does and it? Okay. You take your click wheel and you roll it until you get uh-huh. down to podcasts, uh-huh. and then you have to type in the RSS link into it. Oh, that's tough. and then you ha- you have to that's plug in your computer because your iPod doesn't have Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. I'm your host, Ben Helms, and with me as always is my trusty sidekick, the Truman Zanato, to my <laughs> Nick John Smith, which means I'm in your head, bro. <laughs> You're in my head? I'm in your head, bro. Wait. You should have just stuck Nick. with it. Just roll with it, man. My reliable psychic projection who just can't stop talking. Oh, my God. Jason Helms, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. I'm tired. Uh, oh, yeah. The, the uh, Thanksgiving week was uh, exhausting. A wonderful break. Yeah. And uh, busy as well. You hosted. I did. I had my, our nephew up. That's awesome. I almost said my nephew, but uh, you know him too. He's more years than mine after that Thanksgiving. It's you true. You guys are pretty close. It's true. Uh, nice. I traveled for Thanksgiving. I did not host. Um, but yeah, amazing, amazing food, amazing family, uh, and not less than amazing 12 hours in a car. But yes. it happened. It's done. It's done. And I don't have to do it for like another four weeks, you know? So you remember <laughs> uh, when we would go visit family, um, especially when we travel to the East Coast, Yep. As teenagers, we like to sleep in a little. Well, yeah. I mean, when you're going to the East Coast, you're like, I'll sleep until nine. And that's all of a sudden. Exactly. It's noon. And right? there, there was the constant like, uh, hey, you guys uh, sleeping in all the time. You know, yeah. what are you even doing out here? I never see you. You know, that yeah. kind of thing. So I was determined I'm not going to be that guy. Yeah. I'm, I'm not. I'm not a cluck cluck. You're um, not a cluck. I always say that about you. Yeah. So what time do you think uh, our nephew typically got up? So he's not moving time zones, right? No, no, no. He's no. in your time zone yep. traditionally. Yep. I, I like ten or eleven. Yeah. So I so I asked him. That's, the, like, a, the, that's like a normal early twenties. You got a day off. It's a vacation. Ten or eleven is not insane. Yeah. Right. No, totally. He goes, uh, yeah. You know, I've been working, you know, seventy, eighty hour weeks. Uh, oh. So I just been getting up early all the time, and I'm so used to it. I, I could sleep in this morning. This was on his first day there. So before he traveled up to see us. Cool. But I'm so frustrated. I, my body just wouldn't let me sleep in past 10. And I was I like, oh, oh, okay. Let's see where it. we go with this. I love it. I believe the earliest he left his room unbidden was 1 p.m. Listeners, if you can't see my face, just type Fantastic. in wow into your phone and see the emoji that comes up. Two thumbs up. Wow. And I got hands. the feeling. I, got the I, t- going up. I totally understood what all the adults wow. in our lives were talking about because it'd be like, yeah, I'd get the kids going. Like we're doing stuff. We're hanging out. Let's go do something. It, I didn't wait for them for anything. Yeah. Right? yeah. Especially Thanksgiving. It's like, they're not, we yeah, weren't yeah. doing anything anyway. Yeah. And there was one day we had to get out of the house early. Uh, cause we wanted to go see the, uh, the stockyards. Uh, he yeah, wanted to see the, the stampede. Gotta see the stocks. So I, I told him, you know, be down here by, by this time. And, uh, 
then it involves some some texting and some knocking and some calling and get them down. But we got them out. We got them out so that we could get there by 1130 a.m. Also different when there's tiny kids. I think when we visited, I guess there was a tiny kid, our little brother. That's true. We have we do have another brother. <laughs> uh, when we visited, uh, yeah, family on the East Coast growing up. But yeah, that's true. Eh, you know what? One day he slept until 2 p.m. We probably did that too. <laughs> you know, when now we're old, we can't. It was wonderful. We had a great time. Oh, that's great, man. That's great. Oh, but also, and I got this done just before Thanksgiving. Played Psychonauts, man. Which oh, came out a couple months ago. It's a, it's a new game. Harkens back to the older game, which that game in itself by Double Fine Games, Tim Schafer, harkens back to the old Lucasfilm games, LucasArts days. So yep. strong yep. Mumph connection here. Strong oh. George connection. Uh, and dude, this game, I don't want to say I could play it forever because I probably couldn't. Like you could like Red Dead or Cyberpunk or something that just like has, you know, had thousands of people's work, work thousands of people working on it. But I really did not want to put this down. I did so much of the extra stuff. I didn't quite 100% complete it, but I might. I might yeah. go back and do it. I did as many of the things as I could along like the normal, you know, 100% complete this game is a lot because there's so many of those um, like hologram memory things and so many just like fetch quests and things that are just scattered throughout literally thousands of them. Yep. But I definitely went back and played a couple for another hour or two today. And dude, this game, it's just so fun to jump around in the world. I think much more than the first one. It feels so much better. It's just so fun to be in that world. I want to go reinstall the original Psychonauts because you can get that on yeah. Game Pass as well. Oh, okay, okay. And uh, and just see how it feels now. Because however we played yeah. it, we might have played it emulated. I can't recall. Um, I think it was on Xbox when I did. I think I bought it was for it? 10 bucks. Okay. Or on, yeah, yeah. But it, you're right. It just feels, the platforming feels so good it's so fun to float around and and grind on down rails and yeah. jump yeah and going and to the quarry and just jumping around on the platforms and stuff the thing that that sells it the most is watching your seven-year-old is that right mm-hmm. your eldest yeah play it you showed me a video of that and yeah. uh watching her body move as she's playing it as she leans this way and that yeah uh, and then seeing her figure out that you know if something's sliding out of control i can i can use jump to get back on track uh, it was just such a fun, subtle movement that you yes. saw her hands start to understand a 3D yeah. platformer. That it was really cool. It was really exciting. It's cool. Yeah, the whole double jump idea plus the balloon thing. It was definitely kind of like breaking her brain. But it was cool to see her catch on to that. All right, should we jump into development? Then we'll talk about more about gameplay. We'll do let's do the song. We'll do developer spotlight. We'll talk about a bunch of other stuff. Uh, but yeah, let's start off with Dev. So, fortunately, unlike Broken Age, this did not have a 22 part. Dang it. YouTube documentary going yet. into the development yet. Um, but I'm sure we could watch a bunch of behind the scenes videos. I'm yeah. sure they'd be fun. Uh, Peter Chan was involved in this. Uh, I, you know, I get excited about that. Beautiful, beautiful Peter Chan. So game was announced in 2015. They did a little bit of crowdfunding, uh, a little bit of a third party investment. And uh, it was, it was kind of moving along slowly. And then they, few days later, they announced that they're going to do um, Psychonauts in the Rhombus of Rune, a PSVR game. So it'll yeah. be a PlayStation exclusive. Uh, that went along and came out. I bought it, still haven't played it, because it, you know, it takes a lot of work to actually put on a VR helmet, is kind of the issue with it's VR It's the whole thing. It's the whole like, thing. You pull it out of the box and stick it on your head. That's kind of bull. On top of your thing. head. On top of your head. But uh, interestingly enough... That did not signal that they were going to be working exclusively with PlayStation in the future because in 2019, I believe, it was announced at E3 that uh, Tim Schafer had sold out. And in fact, the video was really, really fun. Yeah. 
and Double Fine had been purchased by Microsoft, uh, by Xbox Studios. And so um, the video is great because it just has Tim Schafer talking about how, you know, things aren't going to change. Uh, we're very down to earth here. And the entire time he's like blowing his nose on wads of $100 bills and like just, you know, burning money and lighting a cigar with it as he's talking about how down to earth he is. It's great. I love his humor. Great. I love the whole team there. I'm glad they got paid. This game is huge, too. It's huge. Huge. The, the cool thing about that purchase um, was that it meant Psychonauts 2 was going to get made. It meant people weren't going to have to get laid off in the process. Yeah. Uh, like we saw in the Broken Age documentary. Yep. It meant that they'd get to spend a lot of time. Because there was also no date on it. There was no, it, it has to come out by this. Right? They could take their time. They could get it done. And they got it done just in time so that, I don't know if you know this, Ben, but two weeks ago, the Game Awards were announced. The nominees for the Game Awards. I didn't even follow this. Well, Ben, they decided to list uh, six games for Game of the Year. And can I tell you that Psychonauts 2 was one of those? When did they announce the winners? Um, in a couple more weeks. Okay. Uh, you can vote. You can vote right now, I think. Dude. How many games? Uh, uh, six games. I'm trying to... Wow. Good for them. Trying to, to figure out... Okay, it's uh, Deathloop, sure. uh, It Takes Two, uh, Metroid Dread, Psychonauts 2, Ratchet & Clank, A Rift Apart, and Resident Evil Village. Can I say, weird year? Like, not a lot of... Yeah. Like, there, half of those games I'm very surprised by. Deathloop feels to me like the biggest AAA, here's a gigantic game coming out. It takes two kind of surprise people. Yeah, but great game. Have you played it? I have not played it, but I've, I have downloaded it, and I'm okay. about to play it with Hannah soon. I've, I've heard lots of mixed stuff, so I, I should check it out, though. It's, it's nominated. Metroid Dread, uh, universally acclaimed, but it's also a Nintendo game. You kind of don't expect it yeah. to do that, unless it's a Breath of the Wild. Uh, Psychonauts 2, which we'll talk about. Ratchet and Clank, A Rift Apart. That one surprises me. Um, I own it. Have not even installed it. Ready to go. Did not surprise me because it was the the main title for PS5, like the main yep. the main PS5 exclusive, maybe yep. the first PS5 exclusive that came out with the system. Well, I'll be getting it back from some friends I loaned it to this week, and uh, gonna gonna crank through that over break. Excited. The same friends I know that played It Takes Two are also the ones that love Ratchet and Clank. All right, we should do that so, together then. Who knows? Um. So yes, congratulations, Double Fine. Congratulations, awesome. Psychonauts Two, nominated for Game of the Year. And I would want to say that's a nostalgia play. Uh, so many people liked Psychonauts, even though it was a financial flop. Uh, I said I would. I would think this. But now I've played it. And this game is freaking uh, amazing. It's so right? good. I wanted to yell at Dude. you because we had our, our same conversation we always do, which is you're an hour or two in, and you're yeah. like, oh, yeah. this game is so frustrating. Oh, it's God. stupid. I hate it. So stupid. I just kept my mouth shut because I was like, he's going to turn that corner. And it's going to be so good. It's so good. It is a, it's a slow start. And I think most things mm-hmm. are. I think I'm a slow starter. But it did seem like that the first couple hours, like the first two or three hours, like there's not a lot to do. It's extremely linear. And even when you get to the atrium, there's like, what can I do? I and mean, after that, it's paced in a way that I'm like, oh, I guess I'll do the forward side missions. And, you know, it's like, oh, I'll just do that on the side until I get to the main mission. And like, eight hours into that i'm like oh this is the story this is the yep. main game yep it creeps up on you so well this game is paced so well because yeah. it feels like tutorial yeah and then it feels like okay i'm out of the tutorial now i'm into like a real mission yeah. this is the yeah. real thing and what you don't know is like no this first mission it's gonna take you two hours but yeah this is another tutorial it's 
helping you to understand how does a mind work in right. Psychonauts 2. Yeah. How are these things structured? You're always going to have three puzzles. And you have to split off and do these three things. And you're always going to have this. And you're always going to have that. And it gives you the structure. And then as you're in this open world where there's so many different things you can do, you find these four crawler missions that you can do in any order. Yeah. And it really does feel like side quests until you start digging into them. And as you do, you start to connect some of the names that have been in the background, some of the people that have been talked about. And you start to put together a larger story. And you did them in a different order than me. Yeah. And yet for both of us, it connected so well where by the time you get to the third one, you have put together the story. Yeah. And you're like, holy crap, I know who the, the big villain is. I know yeah. the reveal. I know the twist. We're there. Oh, wow, this is huge. It does it so well. And it doesn't even, like, looking back on it, I'm like, not like, oh, they did a third of it here and a third of it here. Like, it seems very linear, yep. even though you could have, could have done them in any order. Yeah, this it's is so a game well of the rule of threes. Because yeah. Ford Crawler has three missions. Each of yeah. those each of those missions has, you know, three sections. Uh, each of those three sections has a boss that you have to hit three times. You know, that kind right, of right, thing. Right, right, right. Very much so. Classic platform type setup. And it works. It's just like delivering on the jazz standard and just like nailing it. Which I think, and we're just, get, it's another classic, like Ben and Jason throw out the outline because we're, this is all gameplay and development. It's all, yeah. yeah. So, uh, but I think this game is so weird and so smart about how weird it is in the yeah. psychology of it and the metaphors that it creates of things like. Uh, we should probably describe some of them, but like some of the enemies you see and some of the things you see in levels, like there's, there's a bag that you see and there's like a little luggage tag that you need to connect to the bag for the emotional baggage yep. and, that you might find in someone's brain and someone, and you're, you're jumping into people's brains throughout this whole game to kind of help solve them mental, solve mental puzzles and further. Yeah. Well, let me real quick then finish yeah. what I was saying. I think the weirdness of this game is kind of glued together and made accessible to me and to just like normies who aren't just like, let's play the weirdest thing possible all the time for two reasons. One is the fact that it's so smart about how it's, and maybe not smart. I don't want to be like, I'm smart. So I love this game. It's so logical in how it does us with all the metaphors, with all the items in the, in the levels. Uh, And also how traditional it it is in the gameplay. Yeah. So like the rule of threes things, the double jump, the just like classic platforming, layout and gameplay stuck within this world of just insane visuals and crazy characters and storyline that all is just kind of like grounded very, very well, even though it's kind of insane the whole time. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so you play, uh, just like in psychonauts, uh, Raz, the main character, he is, uh, basically a, like a, like a boy scout for, uh, psychics. Uh, but he's been promoted. He was told at the end of psychonauts that he did so well, at solving the mystery that he was now going to become an, a real psychonaut, an actual psychonaut agent. Right, right. And so um, at the beginning of this, he finds out that uh, and it, this, the Rhombus of Ruin, as I understand it, takes place five minutes after the end of Psychonauts. Yes. And this takes place five minutes after the end of Rhombus of Ruin. It's, it's one continuous story. They make a joke about that when he goes into Color's brain at one point. Yep. And it's the campground that you start yep. in the first game at. The, most, most of the first game takes place. And he's like, wow, I haven't been here in... A couple days or a couple hours. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what he says, but yep. it's just like it's been thirty hours for the player. Yep. yep. But it's been a few minutes in IRL or whatever. Or in or twenty years for the player. Oh, I guess so. Yeah, that's true. Right? That's a good point. That's a good point. Uh yeah. But he hasn't slept yet. Yeah. <laughs> right? Unless yeah. he slept on the plane. Like Yeah, true. So Raz gets to go to the um the main psychonauts headquarters. 
the mother lobe. And he's going to be trained to be a psychonaut. Because, you know, we found out that he is now a full psychonaut. Well, he shows up and they say, that's stupid. You can't be a psychonaut. You're you're a child. You're 12. (laughs) You are an intern. And he gets a badge. That's a classic Tim Schafer. Oh, so good. Handwritten badge. Clearly, like, just total half-assed. And uh, he has to sit with the other kids who make fun of him and tease him. Uh, and he makes his way among them, uh, does some missions with them. But but as it's going on, the, the big question is that there is a mole in the Psychonauts. Someone has betrayed the Psychonauts. Uh, Truman Zanotto yeah. is the head of the Psychonauts. Yep. And through the, the events of Rhombus of Ruin, the Grand Head. Through yes. the events of the Rhombus of Ruin, uh, he has been decommissioned. He is in a coma. Right. He is, you know lying there not getting any better and they know that they were betrayed and that there was a mole at the same time the camp counselor that worked closely with raz last time nick he has been returned he's discovered pretty quickly brainless he is there and yet it's just a body with no brain and in this world what is a body with no brain it's just someone who's stupid he just walks around and goes so good mail because he gets stuck in the mailroom and sticks his head in machines. First class. Fragile. Like, he just, just says words just occasionally because yeah. he has no brain. Yeah. So, um, and it's silly, cartoony fun. Um, all the adults are trying to figure out who the mole is. And Raz is determined he's going to solve this mystery before anyone else does. So they'll make him a real psychonaut. And of course, accidentally, he kind of does do that. Um, we get lots of twists. We get lots of turns. There's a great twist at the end. Uh, Raz's family shows up. They're all a bunch of acrobats. They hate, hate psychics. I was so glad psychics. to see more of them because in the first one, I, it's been a few years since we played. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, but um, you don't see the family at all until the very end when you see right. Raz's dad. He's the big boss of the game, and it's the final level is is fighting your dad. Is well, don't you fight your projection of your dad? Yes. You fight your own idea of your dad, which is this like horrifying like monster version of his dad and at the end you you defeat the dad and then you actually see your dad and he's just kind of worried oh, that you yeah. worried about you that you ran away from home and he's been trying to find you and you kind of like make amends with your dad yeah. it's a really sweet moment and when you make amends now remember the whole family hates psychics yeah the dad finds out that he is actually a psychic yeah because being psychic is genetic and so at the beginning of this game the whole family still hates psychics except for the dad who is now in the background just trying to levitate a pine cone because he doesn't, he barely has powers or uh, he's trying to um, make a catch fire. Yeah, combust it. Combust whatever. it. Exactly. Uh, pyrokinesis. But it's um, cool. Just like the connection to your family and being able to run around the campground and talk to them and, and talk to your mom. I thought the mom relationship was really sweet. Oh, and in the original psychonauts, they had a, a great kind of uh, gag, which is that your family has been cursed to drown. <laughs> And Which, so you can't so go in water. Yeah. Now yeah, this yeah. is an easy one in any kind of uh, 3d platformer, right? Yeah. The water is always poison. Like you can't go in the water yeah. because then they would have to do, you know, swimming, but also it creates some kind of uh, hazard. Well, in psychonauts, the water actually has a ghostly arm that reaches out and pulls you down whenever you fall into the water. Yeah. That's really funny. And it's great because there's this family curse that you're all going to die in water. And the twist at the end, how the water changes is amazing too. And we're going to spoil this. We're going to spoil just this. Okay. Because I really don't want to spoil the full thing. No, it's so good. But just to tell you how this game works. So in Psychonauts 1, they introduce this thing where Raz can't get in the water. And if he does, a hand comes down and grabs him. After the game is done, you 
successfully break the curse. You are no longer cursed to die in your water. You're, and so the central kind of game mechanic of you trying to jump over the water and the water like pulls you down is gone now. It doesn't work anymore. And yet, after you roll credits, they let you still play the game. So, so what's going to happen? And that was one of the first things I tested. So good, yep. I ran over, tried to jump in the water, and now the water tries to kind of push you out a little. And it's the exact same effect. Yeah. Because as it would pull you down, you'd be able to jump out a little bit and hold on a little bit. And now it's the water trying to keep you afloat. And if it yeah. does it a couple times and it's not working, it just kind of zaps you back to where you were. So good. And it's fine. That's so good. Such a nice little touch. Like, just things like that are what I love about this game. It is so beautiful and so amazing. Um, so, yeah, the way that you interact with people is you, you put a playing card on the back of their head that is also a door. You open the door, and you can then jump psychically into their head. And then yep. you do a bunch of adventures. And in this game, at one point, you're in somebody's head, and you go to a psychic projection inside their head, their own idea of themselves, and you go into that thing's oh, head. Oh, that's right. And then inside there, I believe you go one level deeper. Oh, my God. Like, it, so they good. do an Inception gag. It's really, really fun. Is it the one inside where you go to the heart? I think it's the last one you go inside the hearts. Yeah. The, yeah. And they're doing the race. Yeah. Oh, God. This game is so... I mean, the coolest thing about it is that every level is so insanely different, right? And every brain you go into is just a totally different, like the cooking level where you're like, on, you're on a cooking show, like a tr- traditional Food Network cooking show where you have to like make a certain dish with certain items. But all of the items you're cooking with are anthropomorphized and, and yeah. are the studio audience. Yeah. So it's oh, like, so oh, fun. you need an egg and a potato and a pig. And they're like, pick me. The egg is like with arms and eyes being like, pick me, pick me. And you have to pick up the egg, throw it into this giant, because they're the size of you, giant boiling pot. You have to go over to this giant pig that like chops everything. Like it's just so creative and so unique and so weird and really, really, really fun. One of the central things that happened in this game is it's going back and forth between the original six psychonauts. That yes. it turns out we're seven. Oh. There was a mystery person that was involved, Twist, and the current day. Right. Because uh, Ford Kroller, uh, your mentor, was one of the originals. And he is now crazy. His brain is fractured. And so one of the tasks is to put his brain back together. And as you do so, you solve a central mystery. But I wanted to tell you about just, just one kind of story here, one uh, moment that touched me. And this is uh, Bob Zanotto, when you go into his oh, brain. Bob. And at this point, you've already gone into the brain of Helmet. Uh, helmet Kruger? Uh, no, no, it's like Helmet. Helmet. Helmet Fulbert. Helmet Fulbert. God, that's a good name. Uh, which, by the way, it's great when it's Jack Black as Helmet Fulbert, and yeah. I guess it's not Bob Zanotto, but it's actually Nick, John yeah. Smith's Elijah Wood yep. together. Even though inside Elijah Wood is Helmet's, oh. it's a whole thing oh. that yeah. So anyway, so Bob and Helmet. All right, so. Two of the original Psychonauts, yeah. uh, Helmet Fulbert and uh, Bob Zanotto. I want to tell you about Bob Zanotto's head, but first, you go through Helmet's head, and it's this great Beatles yellow submarine thing where you've got to put together all the different senses, man, and he's just, like, so in touch man. with the universe, bro, and it's Jack Black's voice. And it's all cell-shaded art, too. It's just, like, oh, it's li- a little God, different so than the normal art in Psychonauts. It's gorgeous. So much fun. So much fun. And so you've gotten to know Helmet, and he's just, like... The kindest person. Mm -hmm. I just absolutely love him. And then you find Bob. And Bob is uh, lonely, depressed, and racked by alcoholism. Mm -hmm. And they never say that. But one of the features that happens throughout the level 
is uh, there's a lot of it's not water. It's a brown liquid that you're jumping over. And there's spaces where the, the, the water level lowers so that you can jump on things. And then it raises back up and you have to jump across. And the things you're jumping on are bottles. Like giant alcohol like, bottles. Like huge. The size of buses, yeah. Yeah. So you get the idea that he's an alcoholic. That that is a central part of what's happening here. And you start to go through these things and you take down each of these figures uh, that he had made larger than life in his own mind. Mm-hmm. And you do that for him. And you get him there and you kind of clean him up. And you bring him into his own mind, or you have a, a version of him in his own mind that's, that's also going through this stuff. And finally, at the last battle, he has to do it himself. Yeah. And you don't get to fight the boss. And the last thing, you slowly put together that Bob and Helmet were married. Yeah. And let me back up. Yeah. Helmet has disappeared. Helmet right. has been lost for 50 years. That's the reason that Bob is depressed. That's the reason that Bob is isolated and lonely and an alcoholic. That's his trauma. And so as you're getting Bob through this, the final boss is his own conception of helmet. And so it's, it's not the helmet that you saw from a previous level. Now it's this giant monster helmet That's right. who says, why didn't you try harder to save me? Oh, gosh, You didn't love me. You didn't care about me. And you know what? I never loved you. I never cared about you. And there's this great moment. And my voice is going to crack while I say it Dude. where Bob just looks at him and goes, helmet would never say that. Yeah. And it just felt like therapy. Yeah, a lot of this <laughs> game like, does. Holy crap! Uh, wow, that's a lie, I believe. But I, yeah. hearing it out loud, I know that not to be true. Yeah, yeah. Oh, just broke my heart. Yeah, man, it was so true. It was those moments in therapy where it's you know the therapist says, "Okay, so what are they saying right now?" And you say the thing, and the therapist just lets you sit with it. And you go, "They would never say that." That's not a thing they think. That's not a thing. Yeah. That's yeah, not yeah, true. Yeah. I, I shouldn't worry uh, that so and so thinks this about yeah. me because they don't think like that. Right. They're a kind person. Yeah. God, it's oh, a man. beautiful, beautiful moment that I absolutely loved. Um, I played this with my kids. Uh, you played it with your kids. Yep. That was also is, a joy. I will say there's, you said there was drinking. There's also was. smoking. Sasha always with a cigarette in his hand. Always. But yeah, again, I'm, I'm fine with letting my, my kids see smoking and drinking. And gay marriage, which I'm enthusiastic about my kids seeing. Yep. And exactly. the most disturbing part happens in the first five minutes, actually, which is, just lots of dental horror. Uh, yeah. Lots of teeth. Lots of mouth stuff. That's, that's real yeah. gross. It's real uh, gross. They, I and love that. And my kids love being grossed out by it. it. It's one of those things where I really want them to put in a button where you can just skip that level. Oh, like uh, zipping the I braces know, and the, yeah, that's gross. Yeah, Cause I know that there are people who have real dental hangups and they need to be able to play this game. Yeah. It's teeth everywhere. Yeah. God, yeah, it's so gross. Yeah, it's gross. That's, that's the only part that I would say, uh, be cautioned. Everything else about this game is absolutely wonderful. Oh, man. The level where you have the uh, the bowling ball, and you're on the yeah. bowling ball going through the town, yeah. totally reminded me of the level. We talked about this. The Because um, you have all the, all the, are they water people? There's some sort of, like, liquid uh, where they're, like, worshiping the, the bowling ball, or they're worshiping Crawler or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and they're, like, helping you oh, or getting in your way. They're bacteria. Oh it's yeah, what, back because yeah. it's the bowling bowling alley. Yeah, he's spraying the shoes to kill it. That's right. And, that's right. Yeah. Uh, but it totally reminded me of the level in the first one where you are a giant and you're going through and there's it, you're basically yes. Godzilla going through and destroying the town and you have all the people that are worshiping the uh, you, I believe. Yeah, right? they, you've, they've turned you into a god and you're trying to go through their town and trying not to yeah. step on them and try not to hurt them, but you have to go through and defeat the bad guy. And like I remember playing that a few times and being really fun. And they keep yelling. They do a close-up of the little people yes. going, Ah! Raz is coming! Oh no! <laughs> the and giant Raz! Razula! Oh, so 
Yeah. Uh, fantastic. Oh, amazing. Uh, and then even that is a tutorial to set you up for one of the final levels where you'll be rolling a giant egg down yeah. much oh, more challenging dude. paths. But it, yeah. it teaches you th- those basic structures. I think the highlight of the game, and there's a lot of good stuff uh, in terms of gameplay, though, is towards the end, you figure out who the mole is. You figure out a grand scheme that he's done to help the fictional Eastern European nation of Gravula? Gravolia? Grulovia. Grulovia. So um, the mole, it's revealed, is a native of Grulovia uh, that is also where Raz is from. It was a country that was destroyed uh, by this horrible person that, you know, the center of the game is about. Maligula. And um, at the end, you go into this person's brain, and you get to see what they see. And the way they've structured their own mind is like it's a small world after all. Oh my gosh. It's and so it's good. a tour of Grulovia. And there's a children's choir singing. So good. Land of plenty, land of love. Our fatherland shall rise above. So blessed we are to have a czar and all his family. The people's complaints. Drowning in prosperity, Grulovia, Grulovia, <laughs> forever shining bright. Oh my Grulovia, God. Grulovia, you're always right. First off, drowning in prosperity is such a good line That's for great. a country that was wiped out in a flood. Yeah. This is fun. This is great. Everything that they're singing is a lie. Uh, he has a great line about, you know, the, the once great nation of Grulovia, to which Raz says, oh, no, 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 that's wrong. Grilovio is never better than, you know, mediocre at yeah. best. Yeah, it was fine, but yeah. <laughs> it's, it's mediocre at best. It was, it, was, it was a fine country. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it certainly was not once great. It was no. absolutely not that. It, it was 100%. It was fine. It was fine. It was fine. So yeah, that, that is the highlight and getting to, as you go along through this um, It's a Small World ride, every once in a while the ride gets stuck and you have to jump out and solve the puzzle. And as you do so, you jump behind the scenes and in this person's mind where they've created a, a praise for Grulovia and for themselves, all, all of the characters are still just painted on cardboard. All of the, all of the things are still shoddily made, yeah. which is just so much fun. It's literally a facade. Yep. God, that level's so good. I think the lack of rep, like I kind of like I was saying before, like everything is the threes. Everything is that like classic platforming, go through the level, beat the bad guy, go through another level, beat the bad guy. Uh, and it's very like rhythmic in that. Yeah. But Throughout that, every level is totally different, completely different than the last. Like that Grulovia ride thing. Nothing else is like a ride at all, or like the going, the, doing the egg thing, or whatever. I mean, yeah, it's just everything's so unique, and it, it, you can see the Microsoft money compared to the first game. Obviously, it's you know twenty years later or whatever, but like the fact that it's such a big game, it doesn't feel like they had to skimp on any sort of time or any sort of like size of the game at all. The, the art all feels really um, coherent. Yeah. And yet each brain is also unique and yeah. has its own art style, its yes. own palette, and gets uh, much more um, intricate and idiomatic right. than the actual overworld. Is it all Peter Chan? Uh, he, he did the concept art. Um, okay. The original like, sure, Psychonauts yeah. concept art. The like crazy unique eyes being off center and all that crazy yep. stuff. Yep. It's, I believe that's all coming from him. That's so cool. I mean, it may not be all, but at least he's he's the art lead on it. Well, and certainly the the levels, right? The the misshapen kind of um, almost impressionistic mm-hmm. architecture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's 
That's Peter Chad. That's very like Sam and Max and like yes. um, Day of the Tentacle too, which yes. I know I think he did. Um, Monkey Island was more Peter Chan. I'm not sure when he like stepped aboard, but that's yep. you can definitely see a lot of that kind of crossover from the Lucas Arts days into this art style. Yeah, whether that's all him or not, but yeah, he's yeah. also our favorite part of the documentary. If you want to go back and watch that, I I just God. I love his life. He has he's just like such the beautiful perfect artist. Yeah, sitting off in the middle of the woods. Uh, can you remember the story about uh, his drawings, Ben? And uh, was it his father? Yes. So every day after school, then yeah, correct. This might be, yeah. this might be a little off. It's been what, a year or two since we've watched this. Uh, but you know, he would, he would draw pictures all the time, whatever. And I yeah. think his dad would no, like, Peter, Peter uh, would get mad and throw them away. Oh, okay. That's right. So he'd be yeah, drawing he'd, pictures. He'd be sketching, trying to improve his artwork and he'd get mad at all of them. And he'd just like put it in his trash can in his room or whatever and keep drawing, keep trying to improve. And then was it after his dad had died? Yeah. I think so. He opened up a, a crate or something and he looked in there and there was just thousands and thousands of pages. His dad had gone into his room and like uncrumpled the papers and kept all of them. as just like, my son can do no wrong. My son has done all these beautiful things. And it was a way of saying something that his father never, never told him or never could yeah. tangibly say that. But the fact that he kept all of them was just, it was a cool story to share during the, yeah. that was during the making of um, broken age. Yeah. That like, yeah, 22 parter or whatever, man. Oh, so good best episode of the series and it's a great series uh worth watching but by, by the way peter mcconnell broken age uh composer oh. also back for psychonauts too oh the music was stellar the classic yeah, i mean was, everything peter mcconnell really does good. but it's so good i mean I, th- I think we just need to stop and say like we usually struggle with being too critical i don't know and, we're pretty fanboys for double fine <laughs> yeah <laughs> but even he, with broken age no, you're right we had no, we were critical we, we of broken age. all over broken age that's fair right that's fair anything negative you want to say ben Oh man! Come on, find it. Find something. It'd be nice to get more of the Lily Raz stuff. Okay. I, yeah, my negative is I want more, more. <laughs> I want did more. you? That's my. It's the same negative I have of all my favorite games. Is like, why didn't they make more for me? <laughs> did you find a mushroom for Lily? Uh, I don't think so. Well, you got some more to do. It sounds like. Uh, oh, interesting. Oh, does she want a mushroom? Yes, she does. Okay. Uh, do you I'll know where she can be found? Because she can be found in the overworld. She's over near the quarry. Where in the quarry? Uh, near the quarry. So, like, go towards the quarry and you just hop up some rocks to the right. And she's up there uh, being sad. Being sad about her dad. Oh, no. We have some good conversations. She wants a mushroom. I'll have to do that. Maybe you can find it for her. I'll have to do that. Uh, what's funny is I found the mushroom and it said, um, it's like, oh, wow, what a weird mushroom. I was like, what, what do I do? And the, the tough part is finding the mushroom. It's Weird. like in a hidden passage somewhere. I've run around for like two hours or at least like, and yeah. done a bunch of stuff. I've done all those like seismometers, seismic, psychic somometers, whatever it's called. You know, they're like machines that you have to go through and fix. Oh no, no, I haven't. Are those worth it? I don't think it's worth it. You, it gives no. you a free level if you do, or it levels you up one. No, I mean, was it like satisfying to do them? Like, yeah, because it was, you literally face every single bad guy in the game. Wow. And multiple. I did not know so that. it's probably, it's like 10 to 15 minutes of fighting. Wow. Uh, but in the end, if you do all three of them, it's a lot of work to get up at one level, but I did, mean, it's, yeah, that's fun. Did you fix the funicular? Yes. Yeah. 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 I get all the gears in there. Funicular. The and funicular. Funicular. It's not a fast nicular. We and yes, we remember all this audio dialogue because we had to hear it multiple times. Because once you get the funicular working, it moves at half a mile an hour. Funicular. Funicular. 
game really puts the... It's not a fasticular. Puts the F-U in funicular. All right, what else we got? You got any negatives? No, no, I got nothing. You go to the beer in the sun? Any favorite moments before we get there? Any, like, um... Yeah. Tough puzzles? Um, yes. I'm trying to think of ones I had to look up. Because I did look up a couple. Me too. Oh! Getting a brain for Nick. I had to look that one up. Wasn't it just in a package? No, it was over in Otto's workshop. Oh, yes. I think I had to look that one up, too. Yep. Yep. Because I, and it was good that I looked it up. I don't know if they, they could have done better leading for you, but I had not discovered the world outside of the mother lobe. For some reason, it hadn't occurred to me that, like, that area mattered. Well, also, you have to find Truman's and Otto before you can go out of the world. Yeah. So yep. it, it's not just like, oh, I want to leave. I tried to leave, and it's like, interns can't leave. Yep. You don't have a life. Yep. They really should have given you something clear that you needed to do out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, uh, the only thing I knew that was out there was my family at the uh, questionable area. The questionable area. QA. Yeah. Oh, that was so good. I really appreciate the. I'm not going to forget the name, but the um, the bee witch lady. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She was great. The green green thorn witch. Green thorn. Yeah, something. that sounds right. That sounds right. Yeah. Uh, but going through and doing her, her like her again three parts. Uh, classic mm-hmm. three. Uh, of the librarian, the counterfeiter, and I don't even remember the third one, but... That was another moment that I almost cried. Because her realization is, you go through these different parts, and they represent very different aspects of her life. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of them has locked the others away, and the realization is that she needs to come to terms with all the different parts of herself. Right. Uh, that this is me too, and this is also me. God, and so it's it's a, another beautiful therapy moment. It really is. Man. Beer song. My song, see what I think, uh, is another. I mean, it's a classic Helms Brothers tune, uh, and it's just a freaking jam. And it's Primus. Jerry was a race car driver. God, it's so good. Which was. Um, it's one, also a classic, like it was on Tony Hawk pro skater one or two, but we loved it first. It was like yeah. very much. This is on a yes. mixtape in our car, uh, years before then. And it was on Mary's mixtape, right? I think it was on Mary's mixtape. Yeah. Which yeah. was probably, I don't know, 95, something yeah. like somewhere around there. And I looked it up. The song came out in 91. Okay. Um, but, and I started playing bass around 95, 96. Ugh. And so the fact that, uh, Les could play, that and sing that at the same time as you can hear right now in the background this bass riff is just one of the most insane bass riffs that's played on like the 14th fret and there's like slides and hammer-ons and pull-offs and just all happening with every single measure and he's singing and the guitarist is also making like insane sound effects and the drums are just holding it down the whole time like it's an insane amount of music and it's super weird all held within this like i don't know four minute song um that is super catchy and the bass riff alone will stick in your head forever and it just kind of like throws i remember at the time especially but even now throws a wrench into what your idea of like what a pop hit would be drummer on that uh it's actually not brain 
Oh, dang I it. I looked it up. I was like, oh, because oh, this is my brain. Another brain connection. So uh, when we, Jason and I worked at a mailboxes, et cetera, in San Rafael for years and years and years together, he was there before. I was there after him. But while we were there, there was some overlap. There was a guy, Brian Mancha, who would come in. I think he had, did he have a mailbox or he just shipped a bunch of stuff through there. I can't recall. Uh, but he was the drummer for Primus. He was also the drummer for uh, for Guns N' Roses for a while. And, he was a studio drummer. And the way we found this out was he paid with his Primus credit card. Oh, I didn't know that. His Primus. Okay, so he pays one day with his Primus company card. That's that's funny. And it says right below his name, it says Primus. And I said, oh, cool. Is that that's where you work? Like your favorite band? And he, he goes, uh, yeah. You work at Primus. And I go, and I was like, uh, oh, like the band. And he's like, yeah, it's, it's the band. Similar like, to the band. I was like, wait. But you're a human. Wait, Bri- your name's your name's Brian. And he goes, yeah. And he's, just, he's like watching me put it together. Right, and you're like, but their drummer's name is Brian. I just I just stop. It's, it was like the entire universe went silence for a yeah. moment. And I looked at him and I just go, brain? Yes. And he said, yes, yes, yes I'm brain. I'm brain. Uh, just the nickname of yeah. there was a typo on the first disc that he was on. I love it. Where they <laughs> misspelled his name, Brain, and he went with it and he became known known as Brain. He's a great Which, drummer, and that was what he was notorious as. Makes more sense than John Juckethead Johnson. Uh, which was that's just a weird typo and from then on he had to wear that bucket on his head whenever he plays with Primus man Chuckethead Chuckethead which is such a normal name but it's just a crazy typo what was the name of uh, Brain's instructional drumming video oh what oh Narnar on the Rad Rad Narnar on the Rad Rad that's right did he give that to us I think he did he did he did I remember Uh, having it Brain's a good guy Narnar on the Rad which was basically I was like oh cool I was starting to play drums then like a sweet drum instructional video, but a drumming yeah. video from Brain, the drummer yeah. for Primus, yeah. was basically like a skate video. Yes. But instead of skating moves, it was just like drum solos. Ben, that's exactly what it was. I was literally right? going to describe it the same way. And we have not talked about this. Like, no. It had sketches. Yeah. It like, was like black and white and like zooming in and out. Yep. And there was no narr- n- there was no voiceover. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. It was him like yelling at the camera to be like, and then sometimes you want to throw this in when you feel the guitarist going really hard or whatever. It's just yep. like, and then he would just do like just a sick, insanity. sick riff, insane and, speed. And then it would yeah. cut in the middle and it would be him dressed up as his mother. Yes. Saying like, what? Yeah. You want more potatoes? Exactly. And then it would come right back. It like, was an art. Piece. Who knows? It was great. Yeah. It, was phenomenal. it was insanity. So I learned a lot from that. Uh, uh, all of that is to say, Brain and Melissa, which is their uh, group, I believe it's him and his partner. I, th- I think we met her too at one point because mm-hmm. they came in a bunch. But they are a duo, an art like an art group. What's that called? But they're a band. They're uh, band. They, they played at the Clippers game, by the way. I looked it up. Wow. But wow. also, they have worked on such projects as Anthem. Ever heard of it? Why, why do you start with Anthem? I don't know. Okay, why do you have start to start with, with Anthem? They, how about Don't edit that League, out. Don't edit out your shame. Major League Baseball 2K10. No. Ever heard of stop, it? Stop. Infamous 2. Okay, I'm okay, done. Here we better, go. Getting better. Cyberpunk 2077. There we go. Last of Us 2. I've heard of that one. Underworld Blood Wars. Tremors, A Cold Day in Hell. Okay, now that one I'm into. That sounds okay, great. I'm peeking there. <sighs> Tremors peeking movies are good. Anyway. So glad to see that he's off that Axl Rose teat and doing his own thing. My song is Children of Grulovia because you guys have to hear it. Um, there's really no no more reason than that. It's just, whatever that song is by the Children of Grulovia. 
it's it's fantastic. The Golovian National Anthem, I'm assuming. Ben will find a copy of it somewhere to play yep, for you. I will. Enjoy it. Here it is. Oh, it's Listen. so good. Drowning so good. in prosperity. Oh, God. What's your drink? My drink is uh, Rar Angry Santa. This is a uh, a beer that I Rar like the malt. Yeah, actually, nice. uh, although unrelated. Um, Just spelled. I same. know R A H R. Yep. Okay. Uh, no, because Rar is local here. Uh, huh. They use Rar malt. Yeah. I mentioned it to them when I toured it, and they were like, "Yep, we're not related." That's fine. Same last name. Sweet. It was great. So uh, Ben, I'm going to do a a screen share because I really like this can. Uh, can you describe what you're seeing for us? I would say uh, that Santa is, is holding a newspaper. He's uh, got a cigar, a cigar in his mouth, uh-huh. uh, his pants around his ankles, and he's uh-huh. sh- down a chimney. That's correct. Cluck, cluck. cluck. Uh, spiced. Cluck, cluck, motherfucker. <laughs> spiced London ale. I saw it at the grocery store. I bought it, drank it. It was really good. I liked it a lot. Uh, it's nice. exactly as described, but it was just the beer I was drinking recently didn't have a lot of connection to this game. I could try and make up a metaphor, but it was a beer that make me, made me laugh, and it was actually, I don't know, it was the rare Christmas beer that's honestly really good. Nice. Yeah, the Jubal this year, Deschutes Jubal Ale, is fine. It's fine? This is like fine. Abyss Light. Yeah. It wasn't, wasn't great. I, I kinda, I, when I have a Christmas ale, I want some, like, like give me a nutmeg and cinnamon. Give me that, like, pumpkin pie spice, like, mm. doesn't need to be super sweet. But like an amber ale with a little bit of like spice in there. That's what I want. You don't want it to taste like a beer. You want it to taste like a pumpkin spice latte. Kind of. Like I understand. Kind of do. Yeah. You don't like beer. You told me once at Mulberry Street Pizza, you this said. beer doesn't. You know what? I want beer to taste like Lagavulin. This doesn't taste anything like Lagavulin. At the time you said I, I'd prefer to just have a, a Coke or a lemonade. Did I say I'm that? Not, I'm not, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this was great. There's still times like that. There's plenty of days yeah. where I'm just giving me a oh, Diet Coke. Absolutely. I'm not. Absolutely. Yeah, but it, it was very funny because it, it was like, it was almost like a very profound, you know what? I don't think I'm into beer. When was this? It just doesn't do it for me. You, you were probably six months into drinking. Oh, okay. Like this, this is young. I've young had Widmerhef and I've had Blue Moon and you, ben, I think were, I might not love beer. Ben, you were drinking a Widmerhef. Oh, yeah, that's my go-to. Yeah. Uh, Mulberry Street Pizza. Megan was there uh, because we, we both laugh about it later because you, you clearly have changed your mind slightly. And now uh, you do occasionally like a beer. I'll drink Although a beer. sometimes, as you point out, you would prefer a Coke. Or DDP. Boom. Any, day, any day of the week. All right. My drink. It is called Theme from the Bottom by Oakshire. And it is a triple berry smoothie. Yep. I need, I need this. I need to try this. It's described on the website as a caramel apple pie smoothie sour ale. So it's a base of a sour ale. So it's just like whatever. Uh, a light, sweet ale with lacto on top. Um, no bitterness to it, just sweet and sour. Aged on apple puree, caramel sauce, brown sugar, cinnamon, nutmeg, allspice, vanilla beans, and marshmallow cream. Those aren't flavor notes. Those are things that they put into this beer while it was barrel aged. Comes out at 5% ABV, and it's the consistency of a milkshake. Maybe not a milkshake, but like a, a thick smoothie. Wow. Like it is a triple berry smoothie is what it is called and wow. that is what it is Tri- uh, theme from the bottom is is the name of the beer i had it last week for the first time and hannah couldn't drink it yep um i did finish it and 
if you told me it was like a fun smoothie cocktail, I probably would have believed that more when I, than I would believe it's beer, even though it's technically beer. Like it is insanity. If, if I see it again, I'll grab it. So when you visit, you can have some. It's it is a crazy looking beer, and that's kind of what I want when I go to places and I'm like, I want to try a new beer. I don't want like, oh, this IPA is a little hazier, or this IPA is a little more pineapple-y hop taste. Like when I see something that says triple berry smoothie, I want it to be smoothie consistency and like crazy berry flavors, not like, oh yeah, it kind of tastes like anchor steam with like a little bit of fruit in the nose. I love the weird. So take my money. Give me the weird stuff. That's what this game was. Fantastic. Recommendation station. Let's do it. All right. I will start it off. I, of course, will be Mary. You'll be Bert. Uh, here's your cartoon penguins. Uh, Star Wars Visions, Ronin. Uh, I don't know if it's like the first book in the Vision series or what, but this one written by Emma, Emma Mieko. Maiko? I looked at the pronunciation. Emma Maiko, Candon, and it's really good have you finished it yet no no but i'm like a third of the way through and it's really good i'm hooked uh and if you're wondering what it's like you can watch the first episode of star wars visions on disney plus because it's the first chapter ish of the book and this is like alternate universe star wars i don't know if it's alternate universe or not i read somewhere that it was but i don't know but it's like I mean, star wars themes Definitely references to the Empire. Definitely references to Yeah, this, that's why like, I'm not sure if it's but, alternate, because there's connections. But, but don't try to put it into the history. Like, don't try and line it up into the canon. It's not going to fit exactly right. It, that allowed the authors to be free with what they were doing. Right? This is very non-canonical. I mean, it's definitely legends. Definitely legends. But also, like, a world in which this, the Jedi and the Sith were much more true to their Japanese origins. Yes. To me, it was like... Hey, remember when George Lucas borrowed all of that samurai <laughs> ideology and Kurosawa like plots? Like, what if we took that back? Yes, very much. And so. Kind of reclaim some of that and actually put them in the setting that they were taken yep. from in the samurai Ronin type setting. Uh, and it it just works so well. And it's a really cool story. And it whether it's connected or not in an alternate universe or not, it is really satisfying and just really like freeing and enjoyable to see a star Wars story, not have to like connect to like Chewbacca or Yoda or yep. Luke or or be a part yep. of any, no one's related to a Skywalker that I know of. Right. It's just kind of right. like really cool story in this universe. Kind of very rogue one in that sense. Even rogue one had that obviously, yeah. obviously connections to the, the main ones or whatever, but still like the fact that the best parts of rogue one were the, the parts that had no connection at all. It was just like cool new characters being cool, new characters in their, tiny little plot and the parts that had to connect were like, Oh, I guess it does. But that wasn't yep. the best part of the movie at all, but really, really good book. I just finished it. Jason's reading it now. The main character, if you drew a picture of him, it would look like he had like uh, an Abe Lincoln kind of beard. Yeah. But it's his cool metal jaw. Yeah, that's right. Like it's dope. That gets, oh, that there's hurts, so much cool it, stuff. It, like hurts when it's cold out and stuff. It's, yeah. oh, it's so good. It's really well written. I like it. Um, I like it a lot. Another thing, a little self-promotion uh, on my own podcast, is that uh, our good fonf, Nick Gates, and I are working on an album that we will have finished this week, All the, um, at least all the composition aspects. We still need to mix it, master it, and actually, like I don't know, figure out some sort of like way to release it and all that. So, but hopefully in the next like two months, two or three months, we'll have that out, um, and I'm sure I'll share a link some, at some point. But it's really been really exciting. I was, I was thinking, like, oh, what movies have I been watching? What books? and 
like, oh, I guess in all my free time, the last like three months, I've been working on this album. So, yeah. so that's it. That's where my time's been going. Yeah, it's been a really fun project. Well, my free time over the last month has been um, on Gene Wolfe and the book of the New Sun. I think I uh, mentioned that last time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I finished the book of the New Sun, and I've started. Uh, it's a, a four part series, and then um, a few years later, he wrote a sequel, just a, a kind of one more book to connect and explain a lot of things. Uh, called Earth of the New Sun, spelled U-R-T-H. And so I'm about halfway through Earth of the New Sun. I've also been listening to a podcast called Alzbo Soup uh, that just does a chapter-by-chapter breakdown of the novels. And it's so incredibly good. Nice. I think I mentioned last time this is a novel where at first, you know, it starts out following a protagonist who's a young torturer. He's in, in the Torturer's Guild. And you can miss it. It's real easy to miss pretty soon you'll figure out that this is happening in the future, that people have laser swords and things like that. But he doesn't talk about it that way. He just talks about them having a lance. Yeah. And then he'll talk about, you know, the light shining from the lance. And you might, if you're initially reading it, think it's like a reflected light. And then gradually as you read some of the subtext, you're like, oh, no, 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 no. He's got like a lightsaber. Oh, that's cool. Like, wait, what's happening? That's cool. And it's in the opening chapter. In the opening chapter, there's a laser gun that fires and there's some kind of like, um, airship that i'm thinking like a star wars speeder that goes overhead yeah both are mentioned and yet both are completely easy to miss and this book is so subtle at the end of the book uh probably like three chapters from the end one of the characters like it's, it's all happening we're a thousand pages into this epic series uh the the writer corresponded to tolkien corresponded with tolkien while he was writing it oh wow um it's really really well received in sci-fi circles i had never heard of it and so we're like three chapters from the end we're like almost there and one of the characters says, oh, and by the way, um, I'm going to tell you the secret history of the universe. And he doesn't say it. And ten pages later, he does say it. And it's one paragraph. The secret history of the universe. And I missed it on my first read. The secret history of the universe. I missed it. What? Because what he does, this, this author is so good. What he'll do is he'll be like, we're getting there, we're getting there, we're getting there. Oh my god, it's my dog that I haven't seen in 10 years. However would my dog be here? This is amazing. A very small reveal. Yeah. And as I saw this dog, I finally understood the words that he said earlier about the, about the secret history of the universe and the way that time loops back. And that our entire universe, spoilers for Book of the New Sun, has been repeating over billions of years. Right? And so at the end of one universe, a new universe starts. Sure. And at some point along the way, people who were humans or like humans, uh, went out and took over the entire universe. And they colonized. And what they did is they uplifted the people of the different planets. Mm-hmm. And one of those people groups then was able to go even higher than them and got outside of the universe into some kind of like time-branching, amazing, whatever, Tesseract kind of thing. And they feel like they owe something to those original humans. Sure. And so in the new universes, they try and uplift us. And that that's what's been happening. If we feel like destiny has been shaping cool. my life, it's these aliens that have come in because I kind of look like some aliens that helped them out once upon a time in a different universe that might be in the future, might be in the past. It doesn't matter because universes repeat and everything, and it's all of this in a paragraph, all just hinted at. Mm-hmm. And then after that, it's like, so I pet my dog's fur and it was great. And here's my dog, whatever it is. He does these things where he does a small reveal to mask a big reveal right next to each other over and over and over. And you've got a thousand pages of this. You fell into the rhythm perfectly. And yet he still gets you with the final one. It's so good. 
Wow. That's really good. Um, How do you feel about stories that do that, in the God thing of like, like, I guess, like Eternals or like yeah. What If, right? Where you have the Jeffrey Wright. I don't know if you've seen any of those, but the Jeffrey, I think its name is The Watcher, traditionally yeah. in Marvel. Uatu. Um, uh, yeah. And the, um, what's the, Interstellar does it, right? They have spoilers yeah. for Interstellar where it's like the gods or whatever, like, are yeah. like helping him communicate with his daughter yep. who helps like figure out or solve global warming and like yep. get people off of earth to whatever. I don't know. Sometimes those that that can feel like a cop out where it's like, how do we solve this? Let's have gods do it. Yep. But also it's kind of cool to see like non-traditional like Anglo God or whatever, or whatever God, like traditional yeah. human religion, God solving problems or interfering. It's like, Oh, what else could be there? If we don't, if we take these gods out, it's literally a deus ex machina. Right. right. Exactly. Um, <laughs> let me come back to that in one second. Remind me to get back to that. All right. But I, I also actually wrote my master's thesis on this, on mm. what I called mext- metatextual depictions of fate. Oh, okay. right. Yeah. And so in uh, fiction, you'll have a character and they'll pray, right? They'll talk to God mm-hmm. about something. And so I, I looked at uh, Achilles in the Iliad. It's called lazy writing. Yeah. <laughs> I looked at, um, I think, Lear in King Lear, and I looked at uh a character in uh, Pinchon's Gravity's Rainbow, uh, Tyrone Slothrop. What's up? Can I just say, reading yeah. Shakespeare in college was just, or even in high school, I think I was just like, wait, the chorus? The yeah. chorus is just is like the laziest exposition I've ever heard. Ever. The chorus is just ever. telling me stuff that happened. All right, so go for it. The basic idea is anytime a character in a piece of fiction sits down and prays, who are they talking to? The author. Yeah. Like, this is a universe that actually has a god. Yeah. Um, we know their name. Right. They signed it at the they end of the book. God. They made this. And so the author, whether they're doing it consciously, they're doing it intentionally. They're talking yeah. to themselves. And this is a moment in which you see metatextuality happen. It's a, the book recognizing that it is a book. Uh, and these are really rich moments and exciting for that. All right. So a particular example of that would be back to uh, the deus ex machina at the end of uh, the book, the new son, the fourth book, these figures come in and solve everything and give them the answers. And one of them appears as his old, uh, like kindergarten teacher, basically. He's like, what? Mr. Johnson, what's happening? He's like, Oh no, no, no. I'm just taking this form. So it'll like make sense to you. Anyway, let me explain everything. Um, this is kind of like one of those things where like in these old plays, they would always have a, a God like lowered in by a crane and the God would just solve all the problems. So I'm going to kind of do that right now. And so he literally, calls out a deus ex machina without using the words deus ex machina. Awesome. He says a God, God is lowered a by a crane, yeah. which was the machine that would lower the God. Like awesome. he talks about that as he does it. And it's one of those beautiful moments. Like I'm going to tell you what I'm doing while I'm doing it and make it even more clever by doing that. That's awesome. It's really fun. Uh, one of the central ideas of the book is the Elzebo, the central um, kind of terrifying image. If you saw uh, annihilation, you saw an Elzebo. Yeah. So the creators of Annihilation may not have been deliberately referencing that, but they accidentally created something from Gene Wolfe's uh, book of the New Sun. Uh, so you remember that time where the woman is hiding upstairs and there's a bear like crawling around the the building, and the bear is talking in the voice of her dead friend. Yeah, yeah. I'll, yeah. Uh, I, you Terrifying. Know I, I remember that because I see it every time I close my eyes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, that's. That is an animal 
in the Book of the New Sun. No, There's I hate an it. Animal. Stop it. That is a God. A, I forget how much I hate love that movie. Yeah, some kind of like giant wolf creature, and the way it works is it uh, when it eats somebody, it can use their voice. At least that's the way it's first delivered to you. And so um, they say, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, that's that creature that will, like, call for you outside your home using the voice of one of your loved ones. Right. And so you're imagining like a parrot. And then 400 pages later, you meet one for the first time. And you don't know that it's there. What's happening is everybody's in the house and nobody's seen um, this one girl for a few days. And she kind of disappeared. And a storm comes and they're closing the windows and then there's something outside the door and you just hear mom, can you open the door? No, don't open the door. And like everybody locks eyes and they like slam the door. They start like buckling it shut and getting there. And the dad went out to find her. No. And then finally, after a little bit, you, you just hear honey, I'm back. It's fine. It's fine. I'm back. I'm back now. It's fine. Like just these repeated things. And you slowly figure out that the Alzebo is not a parrot. It has like devoured their souls and they are stuck in this thing. And they have their consciousness has kind of melded with it. Sounds like my ex-wife. Right? So that its desires are now theirs. So yeah. that they want this is the dad and daughter, like really living on in some way, consciously. Right. They're not trying to trick the people. They are. Because they want to eat them so that they can be there with them. And they can all live together forever inside the, oh, this horrible sense. creature. That's sweet. Right? Which is terrifying. Yeah. Like, they mean it well is the, the worst part about this. So. It's pretty bad. They find out at one point, they make something called the Alzebo Analeptic by getting the, killing an Alzebo and taking the pituitary gland of the Alzebo and mixing some of the chemicals with it with the body of a person. You can eat the person's flesh and gain their memories. And our main character is forced to do this. All of their flesh? Nope, just some. Oh, that's fine. There's, yeah, there's a debate at one point about whether our soul is captured in a particular part of our body or whether our soul is present in every part of our body. Yeah. And that sets up this later thing where he eats a sausage made out of someone he loved. And? As he's forced to. And then for the rest of the book, she is part of his mind. Oh, dope. Okay, it worked. Yeah. Yeah, it totally worked. Like, in a very disturbing way. And it turns out, since he's writing the whole thing, at the end... Right at the very beginning, he says, you know, I'm writing my memoirs now it means the entire time he's been writing it. She's been writing it, too. I love it. Like, it's really cool. That's cool. Uh, and Shin Megami Tensei 5. That's all I'll say. It's good. I like right. it. Um, all right. Should we highlight a developer? Let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, this month, we're going to highlight Izzy Sabor. I came across Izzy's game Synthrally, which is... This really cool multiplayer. Um, I oh, I thought that I'm, was how you were describing how you came yeah. upon their no, game. No, it's called it's called synthrally. Expecting you to like synthetically rally behind. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, maybe that's what it is. It's I came synth across the game synthrally. And so, uh, imagine like air hockey plus Tron plus. Um, oh, what's that game? Um, the what was the new Tetris they did? Uh, something Tetris VR Tetris. Um, just vibes. Uh, yeah. It's air hockey plus Tron plus vibes. It's ball blazer. Yeah. 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 A little ball <laughs> I blazer mean, too. Ball blaster. Yeah. <laughs> speaking of, uh, nice work, Tim Schafer. Speaking of Tim Schafer. Yeah. Call back. But you've got like different classes of, uh, air hockey paddles. Like one that has like a bow and arrow attached to it. One that's a shield. 
all kinds of different stuff. That's cool. Uh, you can just knock this puck around and do different things. Uh, and it's really made to be two-player. This is kind of a, a weird one or an interesting one because one thing that excited me about this or, or that got me into it is I, I was looking through games and I, I found this one. And it's from 2018. And then I saw the post uh, that Izzy posted when he finished it. And it says, I'm finally done with Synthroly. I might patch the game if some outrageous bug rears its head. And the, commercially, the game is probably going to die in obscurity like 80% of games that are released on Steam every day. But for now, I'm done. I'm finally free, and I've been waiting for this moment for nearly a year now. And he goes through how difficult it was to make this game. A game that's fairly simple. Yeah. Right? I'm looking at videos right now, yeah. But pretty and, and fun to play and um, that's cool interesting. Uh, it's free. You can download it and play it right now. It's got like a cool parallax 3D effect. Uh-huh. That's really uh-huh. cool. I will tell you, uh, by the way, only you can only play it with controllers. So you'll need to connect a controller to your computer to okay. play it. okay. It's really fun. It's really nice. I really like the design and the vibe of it. Um, it's pretty. Um, oh, it's this really one looks connected. like Crossfire. Yeah. But the thing that connected me to it the most was this post where he talked about just how difficult it was to make this. Yeah. And the ways that, uh, you know, two steps forward, two steps back kind of thing. And the work that went in, all the code he had to toss out. And it just sounds heartbreaking. As he finishes it, and especially with 2018, I thought, man, why am I featuring something? This, this guy, this is his, on his personal website, the most recent post he has is from 2018. I'm finally done with Synth Rally. Wow. And I was like, oh, maybe, you know, that's kind of old. Maybe I shouldn't do it. And then I read this. I was like, let's not let it languish. Let's, let's not let it die in obscurity. Let's, let's go check it out. And I started reading his recent tweets. And... I just, just flip it through. It's, he's playing video games. He's talking about stuff. He's a fun follow. Check him out at BBQ Steak Tips. Wait, really? Yeah. That's awesome. But then I found this tweet. Been slowly getting my productivity back up to a good clip, both at work and on my own shit. Feels good. Hard to describe. But being on my bullshit gives me this amazing feeling of hunger, just chomping at the bit to tear some shit up. Just got to keep feeding it. And I think that that just for me crystallized the idea of these dev spotlights um we don't even want to just spotlight indie devs yeah we want to spotlight people who you wouldn't have heard of otherwise and i think izzy's one of those yeah but i'm excited for what izzy's going to do next and i'm excited that he's back on his bullshit as of october 30th of this year might not be another year or two before we see that game but um i think it's going to be cool yeah. And I can't wait to see it. Hopefully we'll, we'll be able to follow that and, and spotlight that too. So Izzy, thanks for what you're doing. Uh, I'm going to retweet you right now from the month account. That's awesome. Uh, any month from the news? I don't think so. Oh, uh, KOTOR dropped on Switch. Oh, yeah. Yeah. God, I can't wait for KOTOR reimagined or whatever it is. Right? Coming in, in 10 years or whenever it's going to happen. Uh, I guess month news is also, you know, not just like video game news, but month news. As far yeah. as the three of us, by the way, Corey, you are missed. Um, oh yeah, we never covered that. She'll be back for a Christmas episode in a couple weeks. We'll be releasing that, which will be a just kind of like a, a look back at the year, some funnies and bloopers, as well as um, we'll kind of maybe give an update on what we've been playing because we usually take January off, or I guess we take December off and we play our January game for our February first release. And that game surprisingly came to us from Corey. Because she was so pissed that uh, this was a Microsoft exclusive, Psychonauts 2 was, because she doesn't have an Xbox. 
So we're like, okay, you pick the next game. Sorry, you couldn't play this one. And she picked a game that Jason's already beaten. I'm halfway through. Uh, and that she got on sale. So we already all have it. And we already all love it. You don't love it. You're a liar. I'm, you're I like a liar. it. I like it a lot. Two things. Two things. One, you're not halfway through it. Two. I'm a third of the way through. I got to the first world. Yeah. The third. Oh, whatever Two. I don't know. I also, I forgot how to play because I haven't played it in three months. So I might be starting you're, from the beginning. You are still in that angry place. I just exited where, it. Then I stopped playing. Yeah. No, no. Where you, where you just haven't like, you haven't gotten to the game yet. And I, and yeah. I want to tell you that Fair. there's a final boss, right? And you know that, right? There's four worlds and each of the worlds has a boss. And the fourth world has a final boss. Yeah. After you beat that final boss, not going to tell you who it is. Your dad. It's you. It's your mom. You start over. It better not be the puppies. What's their name? Cerberus. Yeah, it better not be Cerberus. So after... They're good boys. I'm smiling so much right now. Oh, no. It's your dad with you and Cerberus. By the way, you can pet the dog in this game. Yeah, every time. One of the best things about this game. Every time. So, uh, after you beat him once, you're going to find out some answers to some questions. You're going to find out some story stuff. And then you're going to have to, the story is going to say, now you've got to start from scratch and beat him again. You will have to do that 10 times total. I don't want to do that. You, we'll see. I don't want to. And after the 10th time, you'll get credits. You'll get credits? Yeah. That's the ending of the game. Now, it does something like Psychonauts 2, where you can play after the credits. And in fact, it figures out some really good story reasons why Zagreus, the protagonist, would want to keep doing this thing. Zagreus, the protagonist? Yes. The credits feature a duet of, like, maybe the best song I've ever heard in a video game. That sounds like a feature cover for Corey and I. Yeah, you're going to love it. I think it will be. Um, And Ben, I just got to tell you now, Corey, you can do what you want, right? We'll see how far you get. But Ben, you have not beaten this game until you beat him, beat this final boss 10 times. Okay. And uh, by the way, once you beat him once, it gets easier. And you can go the easy way of just go back and beat him. But once you beat him once, it'll unlock things like... Hey, what if you did it with one arm tied behind you? Oh, hey, cool. what if you did it with this? Which I love it's, that kind of, that's usually, yes. that's how I love beating games. Yes. How do, how do you so, make it more challenging at the end? That's cool. You'll, I, I went through, I think, uh, four, five, and six, I did in a row. I just did three consecutive all the way through. Nice. Each took me about 20 minutes. Yeah. Great. And it felt good. And then I was like, what if I crank up this dial a bunch? And then I spent four hours not beating them. As I just cranked with the things, and I was just like, you know what? Turning everything off. Going back to just regular mode, yeah. I'm just going to beat him again to feel good, and it felt good, and then I started cranking things up again. Yeah, I remember how but to play. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. After you beat him once, you can just leave it at those settings and just beat him nine more times and be done. But what you're going to do, because it'll give you little rewards if you crank that stuff up, is you'll probably play with those. By the way, I also got to tell you, you can redecorate Hades. Oh! You can have romance Ooh. with the different characters here. There are relationships, even the non-romantic relationships that you build. And when you max out those relationships, you get rewards you can use in the game. By the way, we're, we're talking about the 2020 release Hades. Hades. This whole time. Did I never mention that? I don't know if we ever did. Who cares? <laughs> Hades! You said we could redecorate Hades, so I, people probably figured it out. Yeah. But Brent's like, are they talking about Doom? I don't know. That's Hades too, right? Yeah. Y'all, this game is so good. If you played Going Under and you liked Going Under... You're going to love this. Or if you heard the song Going Under by Evanescence, you'd like this game. If you didn't like Going Under, don't let it turn you off. This is, to me, this is the reason that I didn't like Going Under. It's because I'd seen somebody just nail this model so well. So that any issues with Going Under left me sad, left me heartbroken of like, but Hades did it so good. 
this is the game to get you into roguelikes. This is the game that will just connect on so much for you. And it gives you so much variety of playstyles that you'll discover. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I'm psyched. Oh, Ben, I can't wait. I'm excited. It'll be good. It's going to be one of your favorite games. I'm telling you right now. Corey loves it already, and I'm getting into it. I'm going to try. I'm going to try to start loving it soon. <laughs> I'm going to have to pick it up after a year. Yeah, yeah, that's how it feels like. For and me, start man. playing it again. It'll it'll be weird. I don't know if I'll be able to beat anything. Man, maybe I'm bad now. All right, Tim Schaefer. Thank you for all that you do. Um, in your name, Amen. R. Schaefer, who art in San Francisco. Right. In Tim's name, you can find us at menoflowmoralfiber.com. Uh, we are most active on the Twitters these days, which is MOLMFPOD, M-O-L-M-F-P-O-D. You can also email us at M-O-L-M-F-P-O-D at gmail.com if you have any questions, comments, or concerns. Hey, check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash MOLMF, men of low moral fiber there. Uh, and as always, uh, of course, David, thank you so much uh, for being our podcast producer, the producer tier over at uh, Patreon. Uh, yeah, uh, happy holidays. Thanks for listening. We really appreciate your patronage, your listenage, your orlage. What's the patronage version of ears? Orlage sounded gross. No, but like A U R, not O R. Yeah. Orlage. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you. Now it sounds your great. Your orality. No, I love it now. Your, we appreciate your oral. How about that? There we go. Nailed it. As always, I have been Ben. I will be Jason. I am a mighty brain pirate. And the sad thing is, real octopuses hate gambling. We didn't even mention the dialogue of this game being on point. It's so good. And the voice acting. We didn't even mention the voice acting. Whale! Whale!